the Okay. 
and that's what I, and they've divided that into t- ten levels. Uh, and the strange, the inter- an interesting thing that I wanted to uh, bring to your attention is that uh, almost with just with the number ten itself, I would seem to play out. We have ten levels to get to enlightenment, and then within samsara itself, there are you can say there are like ten levels. Because if you count all the, if you count the uh, the eight levels of, of samsara, plus the uh, plus the the, it's not really quite a, a level in samsara, but a level that is like a taste of nirvana. When you add those two together, then that gives you like t- ten levels. Of, you do ten, ten also. Okay, so you have. Uh, <coughs> With it, you have, and each of these levels, each of these uh, stages in, sam- in samsara, are really uh, stages of consciousness, states of awareness. And you can, with your meditation, induce those states of, 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 uh, of consciousness or awareness while you're still in, for example, in this human life. Okay. So you can, in this human life, through meditation, uh, 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 get to experience what is the level of consciousness or level of awareness of, of um, beings in the higher realms. Okay. So, samsara is divided into how many realms? Depends, it depends right? <laughs> 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 That's confusing. Uh, so, three. three. Yeah, so those three, and then each of those realms are further divided. Okay. So, the desire realm, you have, uh, I think that's where you have the most number of, of uh, divisions. You have the hell realms, and that's sort of divided also, but just the hell realm. You have the hungry ghost realm, uh, the animal realm, the human realm, and then right above that you have the what is called the desire realm gods. Okay? And the desire realm gods are divided into uh, the what's called the semi gods or semi the I guess the Titans, I think is a nice name for them, and, and the desire realm gods, the pleasure beings. Okay? The the pleasure being realm the I mean each one of these realms is has a subdivisions. Okay. Uh, for, uh, the like the the hell realm for example is divided into the hot and the cold and each of these is really divided. And the hungry ghost realm is sort of divided, and then the animal realm is divided, and the human realm is divided. So the, each of these have their own kind of division. But the major division are the hell, hungry ghost, animal, human, and desire realm gods. Okay? And th- so, um, <coughs> most of the time, they divide the desire realm gods further into the in, in, into the big division. So you have the, the the demigods, I think that's the name. The demigods and the and the desire realm gods. So that's uh, six. The the desire realm it has a big division of six six divisions. Okay. W- the so everything above you, all the realms, all the consciousness above human beings are considered to be god realms. Okay. So you have desire realm gods, you have form realm gods, and formless realm gods. I'd like to know why they, why the term gods are used. I guess in the sense that they can interfere in uh, in the human life and do either uh, beneficial actions or 
or they can do um, actions which are not so beneficial <laughs> for human beings. I guess that's because they have such influence. I guess that's why they're called gods. Okay. So in each, and the and uh, the higher you go, the the more powerful the god becomes, and the more influence they have over they have influence over those below them. Okay. Now the gods that we that you hear about or read about are mostly the gods in the desire realm, and and the gods in the form realm. The gods in the formless realm don't really uh, uh, are, are not interested much in in participating in any other realm other than their own. And and uh, and they well the formless realm gods for example. Uh, uh, living a, a life or living an existence where they are aware of only one kind of awareness. There, there's, there's, there are those who are aware of only space. There are those who are aware of the infinity of, of their own consciousness and, and so forth. Okay. The formless realm gods and the form realm gods, they're called form because uh, the gods, rel- relative to the forms that of the beings have in the desire realm, they're considered to be more attractive. Okay, their forms are more beautiful. So even the ugliest form in the form realm god is, is million times more beautiful than the most beautiful form in, in the desire realm. Okay. So that's why they're called the form god, the form, form realm god. Now, the reason for uh, for pointing out that these different realms, what the, what's, what's the reason for pointing out the different realms? Remember? Well, well you said that there's a, there's a connection between the, the kinds of the ten, the ten. Rest into the number ten. Yeah, the ten different beings uh, uh, and the ten different. Uh huh. And also one. Uh, so the so to, there's one when it comes to dealing with your uh, your the cause of of suffering. When it comes to dealing with the afflictions, there are two paths that you can take. One path is a path of obstructing them or suppressing them, and that's called the worldly path. And it it is through the worldly path of suppressing the afflictions or the cause of suffering that brings about the different levels of, of samsara, samsaric existence. The more you're able to suppress, the more freedom you experience, the more pleasure you experience in that existence. Okay. And the other path, which is called the, the, what's that word again, supramundane, the supramundane path is the path of actually destroying the, the afflictions. And the more of the afflictions that you destroy, that's how you progress on the on the different levels of a bodhisattva, or the di- different grounds, the different uh, the different bhumis. Okay. Uh, and the suppressing of the affliction begins uh, when you consciously start to make an effort on the path. When you consciously enter the path and you're uh, and you're training your mind, either you're, you're studying, you're, you're getting information. And just through, through that alone, you're beginning the, the, the process of suppressing. Okay. And you need, and they, they, they help each other. When you have more of the affliction suppressed, you can experience a more deeper level of meditation, and you can do uh, uh, a much more powerful me- me- meditation. You can 
and that will allow you to be able to uh, either destroy uh, the, the, the grosser uh, afflictions. And when you have actually destroyed a certain number of afflictions, that gives you a certain, that gives you a certain more freedom to be able to to experience uh, more freedom of of, uh, of consciousness. You're able to be aware of more things. You're able to have more freedom of, of, of expression, and you and that allows you to be able to destroy the, the, the more subtle ones. Okay, so they they help each other. Okay? So you can you, you cannot, for example, jump from if you have uh, let's say all nine levels of, of of afflictions, you cannot jump to just suppressing the most subtle, like number nine, for example, where all the all the ones in below are still are, are still uh, are still awake and functioning. So to, to suppress the number nine, the ninth of, uh, degree or the ninth level of, of affliction, you have to go gradually suppressing number one, two, three, all the way to take it to number nine. Now to su- to to suppress the afflictions requires uh, meditative power, okay, and to actually get to uh, what is called the very first meditation level, and then there's also this number ten comes in, okay. And that's where you have nine levels of acquiring meditative state. And the tenth level would be like achieving meditative state. And to, and to, and to do that, you have to suppress, and, all, and, and, and again, that's suppressing the afflictions. So, so you can say, what is, what is uh, preventing you from, ex- from right now deciding, okay, and now I want to experience the first level meditation. What is, uh, what is obstructing you from achieving that uh, the, uh, is the present of, of the you said the, the afflictions are, are awake in, in your consciousness, and to be able to 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 get to a certain degree of of a, of a meditative absorption, you have to suppress these afflictions to some degree. Okay, so you can say uh, from someone who lives. In a mind with a, with, a, with a state of mind that is consciously involved with anger, uh, where the only thing they can think about is uh, beating someone up, or, or, or as soon as someone approaches them, they think the person is trying to trying to harm them, so they want to be defensive. So you can think about somebody who has that gross level of manifestation of anger, and and uh, and then you have someone who. Uh, where they're not angry, they're not in the state of anger all the time, but they can be instigated easily to, to be angry. And someone, it takes a lot of work to get them angry. So that's the, because of anger is suppressed to, to various degrees. Okay. So there are those who are born naturally with a with a with a natural what you call a natural suppression of the of those of those uh, afflictions. And because they are born with a natural suppression of those afflictions, then they, the way they live, the way they exist, determines well. They determines how they behave, how they, uh, what, what kind of mind the, what kind of mind they experience. Okay. So those who are in the in the higher than human realms, they they have a natural uh, experience of meditative states because. The affliction that keeps a human being from ex- naturally experiencing meditative state is 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 dormant, naturally dormant with with, with them. And the way you uh, uh, achieve this natural dormant uh, uh, of the mental afflictions is to practice. Okay. 
and what you are practicing, you are practicing the same three things that the Bodhisattva is practicing to get to enlightenment. You're practicing a, a form of ethics, and, and ethics is really a form of restraining the, 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 the natural tendency for the afflictions to arise. You're, you're restraining yourself. Like you, you, uh, you get into a situation where normally someone would, would act afflict in an afflictive way, or there is the, the affliction uh, starting to bubble up, trying to come into the surface trying to now make you act, then you uh, apply restraint to, so that you don't act out of that or you don't allow your mind to be overwhelmed by that affliction. So ethics is really, uh, for the most part, an act of restraint. And then you also you have the conscious attention, the constant, the constant attention, intention of restraining. Not only when the situation comes up and then you stop yourself, but before the situation comes up, you have the intention, when that, in, when that moment comes, I will restrain. And that must also be, be there. Okay? And in, uh, in addition to that, part of the uh, 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 practicing of ethics is to, is, to, is to consciously engage in those actions that promote the opposite of, of the afflictions. Like uh, you promote patience, you promote uh, uh, generosity, you, you promote those those kinds of mind, and then by promoting them, you're you're in a sense uh, uh, bringing to, uh, bringing to the surface of the mind the very opposite, or the enemy, or the the uh, the, the condition that that make that will make, for example, if you cultivate uh, love, for example, something that con- connection with love just having the state of mind of love present in your mind it, it, it prevents anger from, 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 from manifesting okay. so, so that's what everyone is doing or everyone is trying to do it, which is the same thing that the Bodhisattva is doing okay. so by practicing uh, uh, ethics by practicing some sort of by, uh, by learning by doing, trying to understand reality in, in some way and, 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 and again, by uh, seeking to have the mind uh, uh, calm, trying to have the mind uh, uh, become accustomed to, to, med- to meditative state, by doing these three practices, and d- depending on the degree uh, you practice, that will determine what kind of a, uh, existence you will have. Okay. So, by doing those three, by, by being consciously ethical by being uh, by consciously studying and learning trying being curious about the nature of reality and, and that curiosity that learning doesn't have to necessarily be that you have to you have to put yourself in a library somewhere doesn't mean that you have to buy books or, or, or you have to be engaged with a book it means you must have the, the, the natural curiosity about the nature of life and then you're, you're, you're constantly trying to figure, figure things out Okay, that's that's the second half of, of, of wisdom. Okay, and the the last part, the last path, which is uh, the meditation path, path. Again, it's it's uh, accustoming the mind to to being to being uh, one pointed, to being focused. Okay, and depending on the degree that you master or the degree that you uh, are accustomed to these three things, that w- 
that determines whether you are, you are born as a human being, whether you're born as a uh, one of the desire uh, gods, or whether you're born as a form uh, one of the higher gods. Okay, and especially with especially with meditation, the wisdom part doesn't necessarily have to be uh, uh, so so powerful. So if the meditation is strong, if your ethic is strong, those two, those those are the real determining determining factor as to how much you're able to have a natural suppression of the afflictions, and that will result in whether you're born as a as Brahma, whether you're born as Shiva, whether you're born as uh, uh, Zeus. <laughs> okay. So Zeus, I think Zeus is will be equivalent to Brahma. I think. Well, I mean, it's not an exact equivalent, okay, <laughs> <laughs> but it's something similar to that. Okay. Uh, so you 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 realize your your condition. You realize that uh, you have some realization in your mind that you have to act in order for you to get the results that you want. And you realize something about uh, your behavior. Some, there's something about your behavior that is determining how the kind of existence that you have. So you start to control your behavior. And there's something about the, the, your view of the world that is determining how you behave. So you start to make, you study, you're, 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 you're changing your, your point of view. Okay? And you have moments where you need to focus so you can uh, achieve the result that you want to achieve. And now, what determines is now the wisdom aspect is it becomes a very important part that determines whether or not you suppress the afflictions or you destroy the afflictions. Okay. So all these three coming together. Now, the, uh, if if the wisdom is true in the sense that you have your view, your point of view is not just some idea that you picked up from society. It's not just some idea that you uh, that you were you were you were told about you were you were you were trained, but actually insights that you gain through your true nature of reality. It is those insights coupled with your the, your level of your meditation, coupled with your the 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 degree of suppression that you have of your affliction by your behavior that determines to what degree you're able to destroy the causes of suffering or the, to destroy. Uh, a degree of, of affliction. Okay, so that's the general background that you that you need to have to understand uh, how a bodhisattva is progressing on on, the, uh, on, the, on, the, on different levels to actually get to 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 uh, Buddhahood. Okay, so you have uh, so you start practicing. Your ethic is ethics is becoming stronger. Your your insight, your your practice of, of insight is getting stronger. Your meditation is getting stronger, and you you're starting to gain what is, what you might call intellectual understanding of the true nature of reality through, through those things. And just through that alone, you're having some degree of suppression of of the afflictions, the the those causes that brings about. Uh, 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 the, the various kinds of suffering that you, that we experience. Then you then through through that then you you get to uh, 
a certain degree of of meditation, deep meditation, and eventually you get to the point where you say, now you 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 have you have entered, you're able to enter meditative state. Okay. When when you first when you're first able to enter meditative state, and you and if you have already, uh, if you are seeking. If you are seeking uh, liberation from, from suffering altogether, then you have renunciation. At that, at that very moment, then you, you, you are on your way out. You're, you're, you're on your way out of, of samsara. So, first level of meditation, or coupled with the realization of renunciation or bodhicitta, then you're about you're, you're about to get out of samsara. The next thing that the next what you need to do now with the bodhicitta or with the renunciation and the meditation now you have to seek insight what is the true nature of reality and at first it will be just intellectual understanding and with the intellectual understanding you start to get deeper intellectual understanding more deeper intellectual understanding until with your meditation the power of your meditation and the, the un- understanding that you have you, have what you, you achieve what is called uh, a direct perception of the true nature of reality, and now you are you are now you are no longer an ordinary being. You are uh, even though you you may have you may have be, you may be just a human being. You are you are no longer an ordinary you are no longer an ordinary being in a sense of not that you are higher than other human other human beings, but you are not ordinary in the sense that you you are even uh, even the gods. Or group in in in, in uh, group in that ordinary category. When you're when you're an Arya, you're you're non-ordinary in, in that sense. It's like you're no longer fit in the category of beings one of, of samsara anymore. You're not free yet, but you're not a, a comp- you're not a, a totally samsara being. Okay. And from that is from that moment on, you, it is said that you have truly entered the path because there's no going back anymore. Because you, you, at that moment you have you have achieved your first uh, 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 you have destroyed the first level of the uh, of the afflictions because uh, that level of the affliction that you have destroyed will no longer um, be able to to come up in, in your in your in your in your continuum in your being anymore it has it is destroyed com- forever. And because that degree of, because because you have now that much freedom, that much uh, space left in your being, then you, for you to develop, it allows you to develop m- uh, m- uh, positive qualities faster, and and uh, allows you to develop the positive qualities that will eventually lead you to the uh, perfect liberation or complete enlightenment. So, the the first level of a bodhisattva is when the bodhisattva has had the first direct perception of the true nature of reality when you become an Arya that's the Bumi one now to make you sort of have a true appreciation of how monumental this, re- re- this uh, realization I'm not, I'm not saying monumental in that beyond your reach I'm saying that for monumental in that for you to uh, for, you, for, for you to have the aspiration a stronger aspiration for it. So think of it. When you are a first level bodhisattva, this will be your experience. 
Okay, that's, that's what you should think about it. Just uh, having bodhicitta, that itself suppresses any uh, affliction that will give you, that will uh, become a cause for you to experience any, any kind of existence lower than human being. Okay? So all those seeds, all those afflictions are suppressed. They're not destroyed yet, but they're suppressed. They're suppressed to the point where for the, for the rest of your existence, you will never be born as any being lower than a human being. Okay? Now that's when you just achieve bodhicitta. And along with bodhicitta, and now you have your first direct experience of the Trinity of reality, now you're an Arya Bodhisattva, now you have destroyed those seeds. And you have destroyed those tendencies. No longer will you ever be, no longer, uh, not only, uh, not only do you don't have uh, those, put, uh, the, let's say, the potential for you to, the potential for you to be reborn as anything lower than a human being, not only are those suppressed, now they are destroyed. And because of this freedom, the, the, the space that has been made in your, in your, in your continuum, because those seeds are no longer there, now that gives you the freedom to make further progress even faster. Okay. So, uh, this one's within our grasp. Right? <laughs> well, everything is within your grasp. <laughs> so, when you are the first ever bodhisattva, you don't have to worry about being, uh, you, don't have to be, you don't have to be fearful of, of, the, lower, of the lower realms anymore. And, and because you also don't have, your mind is free from that kind of, having that kind of fear, then you're, you're, you're free to develop the, 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 the more higher positive qualities. Okay. And, and uh, not only are you free from the seeds of being reborn there, the most important thing is that you're free from the, uh, uh, having, from the, from the condition of ever creating those kinds of seeds in, in the future. Okay. So n- never again will you be uh, will you be will, will you have anger manifest in such a state that it, it becomes a danger for you. Okay, you will be in a situation where everyone is making everybody angry, but you will not be angry. You cannot get angry. Okay, but you may, you you have you still have the seeds of ang- of, of of anger, but it will not manifest. Now, the, the seeds that you have destroyed uh, are, the, uh, are the seeds that are, that, are, that are coming to existence through our own uh, conscious effort, in a sense of inter- intellectual effort. So those seeds, the, what you call the intellectually formed delusions, intellectually formed uh, uh, obstruction, cliches. Uh, uh, those seeds are forever destroyed. Okay. And and what would that mean when those in intellectually formed uh, delusion, intellectually formed ignorance, is destroyed? So, in a sense, you 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 will not. Uh, 
at least in, 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 you will not have uh, entertained in your mind consciously anything that, that has to do with ignorance. You understand? But innately, deep within your consciousness, there's, there's still the, the seeds of ignorance are still there. You will not have a, 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 a stupid idea. Well, stupid <laughs> idea. <laughs> stupid in, in the sense of in relation to uh, uh, the true nature of reality. You will not have intellectually have, have any, make, make form any kind of ideas like that. Okay. You will not say something stupid. You will not think something stupid as far as the true nature of reality is concerned. Okay. That that is destroyed. And there are also. Uh, uh, twelve other qualities that are that, that are that will be developed, and at each bumi, these these twelve qualities will be multiplied. Like the, the, the first time is a hundredfold, and the the second bumi a thousandfold, and then it goes into uh, the the number of atoms in three countless galaxies and fold and things like that. <laughs> okay. Uh, and you, you, what you have to understand is what allows for the Bodhisattva to have those 12 qualities a hundredfold is because the absence of the intellectually formed delusions. And because of the absence of the intellectually formed delusions, it makes the meditation even much more powerful. Because the meditation is much more powerful, the next time they encounter the true of reality, the, the, the reaction that your being has or the, the, the effect that is brought about because of that is even much more powerful which allows you uh, now this time to have uh, even further, even more freedom and then you're able to destroy even more of the, of the afflictions Alright, I think that's the enough of the <laughs> that's the revision. Okay. <laughs> review. We do, we did the review. So we'll go uh, we, we we ended up with uh, the second well third I think or the, I don't know. Well we we'll, we'll go from what happens to Bumi two next time we and I think I don't think we're gonna meet for a while now. Yeah. Just next week. Just next week, right? And after that uh Rinpoche will be uh, giving classes here. Okay. So we meet again next Sunday. Wait a minute, what's today? Please. No, next Sunday is over. Next Sunday is the 16th? Yeah. Oh, yeah, next Sunday we don't meet, so we don't meet again. No. No, I mean, there will be classes here, but uh, it will be a uh, virtual meeting. So it's next weekend that we're going to share doing the workshop. Yeah. Next weekend. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's that uh, and death. death, yeah, oh. yeah. So then you're back the following week. So, mm. so it, will be, it will be um well there will be all, there will always be something going on here on Sundays, <coughs> but it will be uh, Rinpoche will be doing something, and then and then Rinpoche will take a break and then we we will resume. Okay. So if you come here on a Sunday, something will be happening. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, either I will continue this, or we will be doing that. I think it's on the web page, so you can, uh, you can find out. I guess I have to go find out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So I have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, 
What's the difference between an Arya and an Arhat? Okay, an Arya is someone who has seen the Trinity of Reality directly. An Arhat is someone who is free from from some from some side. Okay. The and the, you have he what's called uh, I don't know. I was gonna translate, but I think just better to stick with the sensor. Inana. <laughs> Hinayana Ahat and Mahayana Ahat. Hinayana Ahat is uh, what is called the four destroyers. That's someone who has reached Nirvana, but they're not fully enlightened. They're, they're, they're no longer subject to, to samsaric existence. Forever. Never. And the Mahayana Ahat is a fully, it's a fully enlightened Buddha. Okay. And you have the same, same way you have Hinayana Arya and Mahayana Arya. The Mahayana Arya is the Bodhisattva. Who's on his Who's on his way or her way to full enlightenment? The Hinayana Arya is someone who's on his or her way to reach a personal nirvana. So um, a an arhat will, um, I guess, to like to teach will sometimes come in the form of in Yeah. Yeah. In the form of like a human to to yeah. teach something right yeah. to, to individuals to human beings yeah. is an aria able to do that like or is, is that not no the 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 Mahayana aria is a bodhisattva okay and the bodhisattva part of the bodhisattva's training to get to Buddhahood is to continue to serve so it depends on the level of the aria the aria the, the you have baby aria all the way to you know very mature aria. So it depends on the on the degree of the of the spiritual power of the aria. So some of them, the, the Mayana aria are definitely returning and and helping, but they may not have full control as to exactly where they're where they're uh, where they're where they are reborn, and they don't, they don't have uh, enough knowledge to teach every all, all categories of, of of disciple, but they continue with that intention. To be back and teach and help others in whatever way they can. Okay, so they could appear or whatever word you want to use as a human being with all the afflictions. Oh yeah, knowing that somehow they'll affect in a positive way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. What's the definition of samsara? Samsara. Ah. Samsara is the condition of having to take on. Uh, uh, a, a suffering existence, and, and and the suffering existence could be daily daily suffering, overt suffering, or it could be subtle form of suffering. It's a condition where you're forced to take that to exist that way. So it's the human condition. It, the human condition is is, is our existence, and the your pet's existence is pet samsaric existence, and the gods. Of the gods' samsaric existence. The yeah. yeah. so only when you reach personal nirvana or Buddhahood are you completely free from that. Yes. Um, can you progress up to a level and then get distracted without knowing it? And if you do, how do you get back on the path? Uh, um, when, you, when you say level, you're talking about the ten bunis? Or are you talking about just on your I think general? Could, I think the way that I'm thinking it could be any of the levels. If you're 
if you didn't realize that you were progressing in the first place, uh -huh. and then you ended up getting distracted, so mm -hmm. you might not have even known where you were in the first place. <laughs> That's actually my second part of the question, is how do you, how do you know where you are? Uh, oh, you know where you are. You just know. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're guessing, then you're not where you're guessing, you're guessing you are. Like, uh, like for example, sometimes like the first time I heard the, the, the teachings on the, on the, on the Bodhisattva Bhumis and, and the Aryas, and I was like, oh, which one am I? <laughs> <laughs> and my teacher told me, <laughs> I didn't start it yet. <laughs> so, before you get to those actual demarcations like first Bhumi, second Bhumi, third Bhumi, and so forth, then there can be a, the confusion as to how, how far you are to actually getting to somewhere. And, and uh, the first level. No, uh, w when you're in the first level, mm -hmm. you know. There's no, there's no doubt mm -hmm. about that you're on the first level. And you, you, cannot, you will not have a, you, you, you cannot be confused about whether maybe you're on the second, maybe you're on the third. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, when you're on the first level, right. the first level, you know you're there, and there's no uh, 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 vagueness about it. But between levels. Be between levels. Like even even Be between first you and hit second. First. Before you hit first. How do now, you know how close you are? Yeah, <laughs> first is is like a, first is like a, a, a definite demarcation. When you achieve it, you know you're there. It's like. Uh, I was going to say crossing the border, which doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing definite about it, but no. When, when you see the, the border patrol guard, when you've gone beyond the border patrol guard, you know you're in a different, <laughs> you're in a different place. But if it wasn't there, you wouldn't know. But that, that's a bad... bad, uh, that's a bad uh, <laughs> it's like a birthday, okay. so to speak. It's like a... Well, this is not really, really good either. <laughs> well, but whatever the demarcation is, yeah. if you... If you're pretty confident mm -hmm. that you can see it, mm -hmm. how do you know how close you are? Because you might not necessarily know your meters away, miles away. Mm -hmm. All you know is you can see it. It's over there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Once you're getting there, you yeah. might get distracted. How do you? No. How do you get back. <laughs> if if you were if, if like for example you're studying emptiness, mm -hmm. and, and, and and in studying emptiness, then you're gonna make progress. You, you're you're gonna have a you're, you're gonna be in a state where you have no idea what this thing is about, and then you continue. You have you start to get some understanding, and there are points where your understanding is getting more profound, mm. deeper, and then even right after uh, you, you reach a point where you think you you understand it at a deeper level than you did before, and you see yourself back into into uh, women. I have no idea what this is this is about any, anymore. I thought I understood it. So there's there's going back and forth before you actually get to to uh, seeing emptiness directly. But right at the moment, like at the, when you're at the door of seeing emptiness directly, mm -hmm. there are experiences, there are psychological experiences that you just cannot deny. When those psychological experiences are happening, then you know you're approaching. Mm -hmm. If those psychological experiences are not present, then you know you're not you're not you're not there yet because it's it's like uh, um, you know, walking w through uh, 
uh, uh, wet grass with bare foot, your foot gets wet. Mm. Okay. So there are certain things that you definitely have to go through, no matter who you are. And if you're not experiencing, if you're not going through the experiences, that's that's an indication that you're not cl- close. So there are certain experiences that can be used as benchmarks on yeah. the way to yeah, all the way, yeah. And one of the benchmarks is uh, uh, right before you see emptiness directly, uh, there may be like when you're very close to seeing uh, the true nature of reality directly, there may be experiences that seem that make that may make you think that you've you, you saw emptiness directly already. Mm. Okay. Is that like wisdom thoughts? Yeah. Okay. And th- there may be uh, those experiences that oh, I, if either in you experience a meditative meditative state and that meditative state itself seems to be the experience of seeing emptiness directly because it, it seems so similar but when you come out of it if there aren't other things that happen that accompany it then you know you didn't see emptiness directly because at, when you see emptiness directly there's no there's no questioning whether or not you saw it before you, when you're very close to seeing it, you may think, I think I saw, I'm not sure if I, would, would I, was that? That tells you didn't see it. And do you, when you first see emptiness directly, mm-hmm. is it in a meditative state? It has to be a meditative state. Yeah. And then, as you progress, you see it in an awake state? No, you, you cannot see it in an awake state. Only a Buddha can see it in an awake state. Yeah. Uh, for, for it's easier for you to see it later, but whenever you want to see it, you have to be in a meditative state. Did I answer that question? Mm-hmm. No? Okay, so much. <laughs> okay. Alright. Any no more questions? Can you No, no, every once in a while I just throw one out. <laughs> Otherwise they're only gonna accumulate. <laughs> okay, uh, so if a Buddha is born and doesn't have like he's never found and doesn't have the proper training, will they ever which, I mean, is it possible? Is that possible? Ah, you're talking about the, uh, the Tuku phenomenon. Oh, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, like, uh, uh, no, a Buddha is not born in, in, in the way that we consider born. A Buddha is, oh, what's that term? Em- emanate, emanates. So, a Buddha takes a birth. And when they take that birth, they take that birth with the understanding that the preconditions there are conditions set to make sure that that birth will be will be a benefit of maximum benefit to to everyone. So, is it possible for a Buddha uh, uh, to okay, I'm going to be born in, in that place, and then somehow the trauma of birth makes the Buddha forget that the Buddha, and because they don't have they haven't acquired speech yet. <laughs> They, they can't say, hey, wait, wait, I'm a Buddha, you gotta help me. <laughs> <laughs> so they can't quite uh, enunciate, enunciate that, and then people don't think much of them because they don't have the, the good sense to say, well, that's a special person who needs special training. And what would happen to that, to that child? Mm-hmm. Would that child just be a normal person and, and die and then go back to the Buddha land, or would it still be exceptional? That's a question. Yeah. That's a question for me too. <laughs> <laughs> but as from the way they describe a Buddha, it's, it will be impossible. 
Yeah. Uh, but you would hear that the you know like the, for example the was it the six the six Dalai Lama wasn't recognized until he was like fifteen or I mean like was already an adult I mean not adult was already somebody speaking and already formed already and 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 they said there was a problem with that because. Uh, it was wild. <laughs> <laughs> so there is some kind of a training that you should get to be kind of maximized. Yes. Yeah. If he was wild, I assume if he was trained properly from birth, then he would be less wild. Yeah. <laughs> but he wrote incredibly beautiful things. So. Yeah. Yeshua, the other night, was talking about with karma, you know, once something is set up, it's there. Mm-hmm. And he said it's sort of like um, the analogy of film when you take a picture and when the conditions are right, mm-hmm. the karmic results happen. Mm-hmm. Is that a similar situation with someone born as a Buddha? That karmic thing is there. Mm-hmm. Is that their karmic thing? And when the conditions are right, then they develop as mm-hmm. Buddha? No, uh, well, it's not only Buddhas who are Tulku. Tukus are those uh, reincarnate lamas, I think, the term they use. Okay, and so just to think uh, that term, reincarnate lama. Okay, it could be someone who is just very advanced on the path, and when you reach a degree of advance on the path, then you want to be born in a condition where you can continue, and and for the most part. Most of the two, uh, a lot of the, I mean, there are like hundreds of Rinpoches, okay, hundreds of them, uh, and, and that's that's only within the Tibetan tradition. So what about the other traditions? I mean, I'm sure they are also being reborn, but they don't have a, a, a tradition of that. The way the Tibetans have a tradition of finding them and then making sure that they they, they continue, okay, their training. So there are those who are not fully enlightened Buddhas, but they're they're advanced on the path. And depending on their degree of advancement, that will determine whether or not they really need to be found, or else they'll be just another regular person. They'll be just like, oh, this is a very nice guy, a very nice baby, you know. But because they weren't like, uh, uh, actually, there was a there are a few stories like that. I mean, not only only in their adult life, actually, they were recognized. There was this. Uh, there's this very famous uh, 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 teacher in Sarah, who's supposed to be the reincarnation of one of the Ahas. Okay. So something that <laughs> he wasn't recognized as being that Aha until he finished his studies. So it, I mean, there was no, no more training to, to be to be done, especially for him. He, he did the training already. Somehow he found himself in monastery. Somehow he got, and he wasn't like a, an exceptional student. Because if he was an extremely exceptional student, they would say, "Oh, there's something strange about that one." <laughs> he was just a normal student, and was until I don't know who these lamas are who actually, uh, uh, if there's some sort of a uh, reincarnation committee. You know, <laughs> 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 that you know, okay, who should we look for now, or something like that? <laughs> that maybe his file was way back there. <laughs> and when he finally got to him, he started looking for him. He said, "Oh, he was born. He's already twenty something years old." 
he's already a, a geisha already. <laughs> okay. So there's that, and and these are the ones that the they just I'm not saying they're just they, they are uh, 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 practitioners who are advanced, and then. They, they, they make their, their wish, their prayers, may I be reborn in a condition where I can continue this. And, then be, and that's where the karma comes in, comes into play. But as far as the Buddha is concerned, you, 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 cannot, you cannot say it's a karma anymore. Oh. Yeah, karma, is, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, beyond that. Yeah, it's beyond that. Yeah. Oh, there are countless Buddhas. Yeah, countless. And when you become one, when you, when you become a Buddha, there will be one more. <laughs> um, I have no illusions on which level I'm on. <laughs> um, um, so the guides would be to focus on on the the, uh, the ethics, the the insight, and the meditation. Yeah, and, yeah, and work through that. And work through that. And 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 that's how you get. That's how you make progress. And eventually, by doing that, you will say, "Oh, okay, now I have just reached uh, the first Bumi. <laughs> How, let me prove it to myself that I've reached the first Bumi. How many Buddha lands can I visit? <laughs> Things like that. Okay. I get confused because sometimes in the reading, it sounds like if you just if none of you judge, but if you are practicing, mm-hmm. you know, morality and patience and, you know, all of those mm-hmm. good things, then just that alone will be enough to be born, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But then you hear something like, now it almost sounds like you have to, to be guaranteed with that, you have to reach the first building. Bodhicitta. Uh, well, that happens with the first woman, right? Oh, well, no, with the first woman, yeah, you're guaranteed that you will never be reborn below human being. Yeah. Because the seeds, I mean, you could have, you could have, you could have accumulated the karma to be reborn in the lower, lower realm a trillion eons ago. And because it wasn't destroyed, and somehow the conditions came for it to to happen, and there you are. So we just increase our chances, or whatever you want to say, <laughs> by me- meditating on de- death, right? I mean, isn't that the isn't yeah. that the moment of death? If you're doing that, you're surrounded by. Oh, the, the yeah, the, the 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 reason for meditating on death is to prepare yourself so that when the actual moment comes, you can sort of have some control over over what. What's the next life is going to be? Okay, because you, you don't want, you don't want to die in a condition that is uh, that nurtures or that allows the the seeds from from uh, that to be reborn in an unfavorable condition to ripen. Because okay. uh, without that, without the meditation on death, you're just kind of sent into a tailspin or whatever, and you could basically end up anywhere, right? I mean, that's the normal. Well, it's not that not that the meditation of death guarantees it, right? But uh, I mean, until you're um, until you're an Arya, until you've seen internet directly for the first time, you're still you know it, it's a it's a, it's a it's a wheel of fortune kind of thing. You just spin it, and then depending on where it lands, that's where you that's where you go. 
prayerful long life of his holiness. Okay. <laughs> 